0: going on? It's Matt Polis and it's time for another episode of Meat Sauce for Tuesday, January the 26th, 2021. This is episode number 15. Welcome back. Before I get started today, I just want to take a, a quick moment here and recognize the year anniversary of the tragic death and sudden death of Kobe Bryant. It's hard to believe that it's already been a year that since that happened. I feel like that event is going to be one of those things where you just always remember where you were. I know for me, I was watching the Pro Bowl on TV and the news broke during the game, and it was just crazy. It was extremely surreal to witness what was happening, and it was just hard to believe. And again, it's just hard to believe that it's already been a year you know, since his death. You know, LeBron, the night before, and this is just, it's just crazy. LeBron, the night before, you know, passed him on the all-time scoring list for third, to move into third all-time scoring in the NBA. And, you know, Kobe, that night, I believe it was like, the tweet has like a timestamp of like, I don't know, 10.30 p.m. And Kobe had tweeted out quote continuing to move the game forward at King James Much respect, my brother, end quote. And just to think, you know, twelve hours later, it's like such a tragic loss, man. So I just wanted to take a second to remember him here a year later, what he meant to the to the game of basketball, really to the sports world in general, his mamba mentality. So, I am excited for today's episode because my new gear that I mentioned a couple weeks ago has finally arrived and I've gotten it all set up. I have uh, I've upgraded from using my iPad Air 2 as the device that I was recording on and I went with the brand new M1 MacBook Air and let me tell you, this thing is amazing just obviously it, the the build quality is quintessential apple very well done the presentation is is fantastic i haven't used a laptop in about 10 years i think i was either 19 or 20 really the last time i used a laptop so it's pretty awesome to be using a macbook now they just they've done an incredible job and then i'm also using what's called the Focusrite 2i2. It's a USB audio interface. So before I just had my microphone plugged straight into the iPad and I was recording straight into the iPad. The audio interface, that now powers the microphone and powers the quality of the sound that then goes into the laptop. So it should hopefully provide a little better sound quality. I'm sure it's going to take me a little bit of time to kind of work on those levels and, and try to have it all figured out. Um, but the the bigger one too, is that this audio interface has two microphone ports, so I'll be able to add a microphone at some point down the road and and be able to have a guest on at at any, really any point in time, which is cool. Um so it, it's been fun to to kind of upgrade the equipment and you know start to just slowly build on top of this thing, you know, starting off just trying to get some content out, still trying to just do that, but now starting to build up a little bit more as far as the quality of the equipment, obviously adding a second microphone, so on and so forth, so looking forward to that, it, uh, it seems like, I don't know about you, but it seems like winter is in full swing right now, wherever you are, especially in the midwest, I think, in Michigan at least, it feels like it's been 20 or 30 degrees for like the last year. It just feels like it's been cold. And not like overly cold, but just cold enough to be annoying. But it's just constant. We haven't had any random warm days. It's just been cold this whole time. So uh, I will say I have been trying to get myself outside, even through the cold. It's not has not been great, but once you get moving, it, you really warm up quickly. But whether, you know, whether that's been going for a walk or, or going downtown in the city that Jess and I live, we, we're about we're about a mile, mile and a half from our little downtown area. So it's been pretty cool. And the city has actually begun allowing people to walk around the downtown area with alcoholic drinks, one brewery downtown, and then there's restaurants down there also taking part And you can get cocktails to go. You can get beers to go. And then they have like designated areas that you can walk between, which is basically the big strip of the downtown area is all open to walk. And they have a bunch of heaters lining the street. They have a pavilion where they have like an ice skating rink in the winter. They have a bunch of heaters and fire pits there. Uh, So that's been really, really, really cool. Um, It's called the Farmington Syndicate. I'm not really sure where Syndicate comes from. Um, But it's supposed to be, it's really supposed to be around for the next four years just to start and to see how it does. Uh, You know, I think it originally came up really to help the small businesses survive the pandemic. But it sounds like obviously four years, I mean, that's going to go beyond the pandemic. And imagining that place in the summer, I think it would be very, very popular, you know, to be able to... To be able to grab a drink, you don't have to sit down in the restaurant and grab a drink. Walk around, enjoy the outside. So I, I think that's going to be uh, pretty fun. You know, we've gone, we went a couple times last week. Saturday night was extremely cold, so the the heaters and the fire and the fire pits and all that definitely uh, definitely helped out. But it's pretty. It's just a neat neat thing to do. I mean, you know when you really break it down, we're just drinking in the freezing cold, but I don't know, it's something different, something to get us outside because obviously, you know, as most of us have been, we've all been cooped up for almost a year now, (laughs) which is so freaking ridiculous. But, um, but yeah, Saturday was 21 degrees in the evening. So, but we had our, had our beer blankets on. So that was, uh, That was nice. It's also nice too that they just have the it's you have the ability to be socially distant, right? You're not really close to anybody. You can stay away. You can you know obviously you go into the to the establishment to grab your drink, but you have you know a mask on. All the employees are wearing masks. You're in there for maybe five minutes at the most, and then you're out. And uh, so it's just a they're doing a really good job with it so far, and it seems like it's been pretty popular. So. Kudos to them. I hope uh I hope it really helps helps the businesses down there. Moving on to a sports recap from the weekend. I did go 0 for 2 for the playoffs this weekend. So I think that makes me what was I last week? I think I was 7-3. So now I'm seven and five. It's not great. I'm thinking a lot of people did though. The two teams I picked that just. They just didn't get the job done, really at all. And I think, really, for different reasons. I'll start with the uh, the Bucks first. The Packers. I saw the I saw a stat at the beginning of the game, of that game, that Tom Brady. <laughs> so he's in his twenty first season in the NFL, and he's been in the conference championship game fourteen times, fourteen out of twenty one. Like that's uh, that's unreal to me, just unreal. <laughs> It must be nice. Uh, so, I was watching the game, and and really the first two drives, one the first one by the Bucks, and the second one by the Packers, really kind of <clears throat> spoke for the game. Except you know the Packers didn't climb their way back throughout the game; they hung in there. But the Bucks' first drive just looked so easy big third down conversions. They had two or three of them on the same on that first drive to keep it going and it just moved right down the field. And the Packers just did not look the same. You know, the Bucks defense really deserves a lot of credit. <clears throat> they were swarming all over the ball. Like they were they were fast, they were aggressive. Actually very similar to the Chiefs defense and I'll get there in a second, but but I will say, you know, the Packers kept battling the whole game the last attempt though in the in, into the end zone so they were right down there ready to score they had it was first down and they just could not get the job done they couldn't get the ball in you know it looked like Rodgers had a couple chances to run it in and but he ended up just throwing it instead especially the i think it was the third down play he had quite a bit of open space that he might have had to take a hit but it could have gotten him into the end zone so i was kind of surprised to see him not not uh, take the risk and run and kind of try to force the ball in instead. Um, and then they decided to go for a field goal on fourth down, you know, instead of trying to punch it in for a touchdown, you know, you're down eight. So, I mean, obviously that's the two point conversion is not a guarantee. And even the touchdown is not a guarantee, but you have Aaron Rodgers, you know, you've had three chances to get in there, call something different, call a different play. I saw after the game, you know, even Matt LaFleur uh, was already regretting the decision to kick the field goal because you're still down five with only like two minutes left. You still need a touchdown. It's not like a field goal is going to tie it. You would still at least need a touchdown. So I don't know. At that point, it's like that's why you pay Aaron Rodgers what you pay him to do that job right there. And it was interesting in the in the post-game press conference, Rodgers, you know, kind of has kind of started drama, not drama, but he started the rumors now of like, well, oh, what's what's he going to do? Because he's he's not sure really where he's at future-wise and not sure what he wants to do. I can't see him retiring. I don't see that. He seems, there's been almost basically zero decline in his play. If anything, he's gotten better with age. Some takes I've seen, and, and I don't disagree, they think that Rodgers, and I think it was Joe Thomas, said this by what Rodgers said in the post-game interview that kind of throwing a little bit of shade at the GM, at the ownership for drafting a quarterback in the first round, the end of the first round there, Jordan Love. And, you know, what could have done had they gotten a Justin Jefferson or somebody else that was available at that time? What if they had gotten somebody like that? That could have been a key player to move them into the Super Bowl and maybe win the Super Bowl. But instead they took a quarterback who's sitting on the bench, not contributing. And it does make you wonder. So it, it, it's interesting, you know, I feel like Aaron Rodgers looks at that and and says, you know, if we had that additional piece, we could be having a different conversation right now. He didn't say that. But it could, Joe Thomas kind of hinted at it that he's might be throwing some shade at the front office there, kind of being cryptic on what his future is and whether he wants to stay in Green Bay or not. I don't see him going anywhere. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. If Jordan Love ends up being un- unbelievable after Aaron Rodgers retires, then, I mean, I guess it's whatever. But now, because they lost... You know the criticism is going to come and the questions are going to come. You know, had they again, had they drafted a top tier talent at a at a position where the player would have been on the field in that moment in that game, is the outcome different? You know, something to think about. But congrats to the Bucks. I mean, it's pretty un- unbelievable that you know, aside from Tom Brady, and and I have to, I'm trying to be objective and like. Look past Tom Brady and think about, and and really look past Gronk and look at all the other players that are going to get to experience this. And I'm not thrilled that Antonio Brown is going to go to a Super Bowl. But there's other players on that team that, you know, deserve to go. And not that Tom doesn't deserve to go, but damn, man, the guy's been there how many times? So, but it's pretty unbelievable that he can just move to another team and take that team to the Super Bowl. Now, he has a lot of talent on that team he has way more way more weapons than he had in in New England. So kudos to them. It's pretty unbelievable that they're playing at home for the Super Bowl. That's never happened before. So it's really cool. Uh moving on to the Bills versus the Chiefs. You know, the Bills started really strong. It was 9 to nothing. You know, obviously Hardman botched that punt had Caught it and then just dropped it, and then the Bills scooped it up and had it there, like at the two yard line. So, and then they missed the extra point, which didn't matter. But up nine nothing, you're like, oh, here we go. Like, that's the way you have to kind of do it. You have to get on top of the Chiefs because you know they're going to come back regardless. So, you got to get up as much as you can on them. But I don't, I don't know. I think the credit, a lot of the credit for this game, you know, take, let's take the Chiefs offense out of it because they're obviously great. The defense of the Chiefs, holy cow, they were aggressive all night. Josh Allen like was getting just blitzed out of his mind and just really seemed to struggle with that pressure. He did he you could tell he hasn't had that kind of consistent pressure all season cuz he couldn't get the ball out. He's scrambling all around. I don't know how many times he was like going out of bounds and he like threw it at the last second to have an incomplete pass as opposed to losing yardage. You know, receivers were covered downfield. He just he really didn't look as good as he had all year long, and I, I almost attribute that to the pressure of the Kansas City Chiefs defense, you know, and Steve, Steve Spagnola and, and the calls that he made. It was aggressive. It was very similar to how they treated the Browns too, you know, just fast and coming at you the whole time and you could tell i mean Josh Allen was definitely a little bit frazzled you know with with what to do so first quarter ends 9 nothing the chiefs then outscore the bills in the second quarter 21 to 3 which at that point it's like okay and the in that three points for the, for the bills came at like the last second of the sec, of the first half so really it was 21 nothing in that second quarter so Mahomes Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. It's just, it's it almost is not even fair. Like it's crazy to watch them. I was looking up some stats yesterday as I was preparing for this, and Travis Kelsey had thirteen receptions for one hundred and eighteen yards and two touchdowns. I mean, as a tight end, how do you how do you defend that? <clears throat> you can't, you know. And then you have Tyreek Hill had nine receptions for 172 yards. So he averaged 19 yards per catch. It's just insane. And I and then I wanted to look up uh, Patrick Mahomes. He completed 29 passes. So Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, between the two of them, combined for 22 of those 29 completed passes. I mean, if I'm an opposing defense, I think you have to do something to try and contain those two guys, or at least try and contain one of them, because it's just insane that, you know, only seven other passes were completed to other guys. I would put pressure on Mahomes, try and double-team Hill and Kelsey, and then force them to get the ball out to, you know, whoever else, whether it's Edwards Alaire or Sammy Watkins, if he's playing, Robinson, Pringle, you know any of those guys and uh, Hardman force the force him to get the ball to those guys and then you know and then but the problem is is that he can and those guys can catch it and those guys are just as fast <laughs> so it's like it's kind of a lose lose but you have to try something different I'm I'm really curious to see what the Bucks defense brings to the Super Bowl and how they approach trying to slow down Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey but I I think I mean I think that's that's the answer I mean I watch them against the Browns and I watch them against the the Bills and it's those two guys their offense isn't much more than Patrick Mahomes Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill Chiefs fans can argue with me all they want about that but it's obvious I mean it's extremely obvious also, Travis Kelsey just always seems to be there and be wide open. Like, every time he throws down the middle of the field, the cameras not hasn't even caught up to the ball yet, and you know it's going to Kelsey. Just every time. The deep ball's going to Tyreek Hill, and then the pass 20 yards down the field, in the middle of the field, is going to Travis Kelsey. Or 10 yards, or even 5 yards. It's always going to Kelsey in the middle of the field. And then you have... I, I remember I was watching the game and I said this out loud at the time and I, I did some research to try and just figure it out. The underhand throw that the Chiefs have been doing all year, any game that I've watched, I've seen that play several times from them. Like, I, I know the throw isn't illegal, but it just doesn't seem like it should be a legal forward pass. I mean, he's literally underhanding it to me. And maybe this is my baseball like pitching mindset and I guess there's there's sidearm and there's submarine style pitching and baseball but it seems like the throw should have to go be like a normal throwing motion to go forward doesn't seem like you can just toss the ball underhand uh, like forward you know we always talk about laterals need to go backwards that seems like a lateral to me and it seems like it's going forward so I don't know it's it's interesting And, and it's I guess I'm bringing it up because I feel like I haven't seen that from any team as far back as I can remember. You know, and, and if somebody's listening to this and you know for sure that you've seen it somewhere else, please tell me because this is the first time I've seen it so used so much. And it's the same play every time. They hike. This is like to score a touchdown. They hike the ball. Mahomes hikes it. Travis Kelsey comes like right in front of him. Or almost on like uh puts him in motion or some sort of movement to get his momentum going and then Mahomes hikes it and just underhands it to him and Travis Kelsey scores a touchdown. So I don't know. I'm not a obviously legal play, obviously all of it is allowed and it's working for them, so of course they're gonna keep doing it, but I just I just don't know about it. It just seems weird to me, and no one qu- seems to question it. Everyone's like, "Oh yeah, what an amazing play!" I was like, "Well, if it's so amazing, why haven't we seen other people do it?" And don't just tell me it's because Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. I think Andy Reid is Andy Reid. I think that's the bigger part of this story here. You know, I was listening to another podcast about this, and I, I definitely have had the felt the same way and had the same thoughts, like. You know, Patrick Mahomes is obviously unbelievable. His talent is through the roof. He does what really no other person in the league right now can do. But would he have been as successful had he been drafted to I don't know, the Browns or the Bengals, you know, back when he was drafted? And I just don't I don't think he would have been, you know, because he came into a system in the Chiefs that was already established. You had Andy Reid already there. You know, I I think a lot has to be given credit to the talent that was around him and then the talent of your head coach, Andy Reid. That really brought Mahomes along. And then obviously Mahomes, you know, had the God-given talent and the work ethic. So it's it's like a perfect marriage, basically. But I don't know. I, I don't think enough credit is given to Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator, because... I mean, there's just so much talent around him. Like, it's pretty nice to have the speed of Tyreek Hill and the size of Travis Kelsey. I think if you put other quarterbacks in that same position on that team, I think they're just as successful. Maybe not in the dramatic ways and the kind of crazy plays that sometimes happen and so on and so forth. But I think I think more credit needs to be given to Andy Reid for sure. Like I mentioned earlier, the Chiefs' defense, they're playing really well. Fast, aggressive. Tyron Matthew is all over the field. You just don't really always see a safety having that kind of impact on a game. And he, he had an impact on the Browns' game, and he's having an impact. He had an impact on the Bills' game, too. So kudos to them. Again, their defense is better than I thought. And really, the Bucks' defense is better than I thought. So... You've got, well, real quick, before I get into the Super Bowl, congrats again to the Bills Mafia to get this far when it's been so long. You know, it's amazing feeling, and I'm sure you guys will be back for years to come. You know, again, coming from a Browns fan who experienced similar success this season, you know, we, we can go to sleep at night happy that, you know, our teams feel like they're competitive, feel like they're back, and they can win the big games. And hopefully, you know, each team takes a step forward next year, you know, except for the Bills, because the Browns need to be where they were this year. So (laughs) moving on to Super Bowl 55, we got the obviously the Kansas City Chiefs against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm going to save my predictions for next week's episode just because we have a week off. I want to kind of give give it a week to kind of, you know, look into it, get really make form my opinion on what's going to happen, what I think is going to happen. So I'll give my predictions for the game next week. I think number one, I think it's going to be, it has the potential to be a really great game. You know, when they played earlier in the season, the Chiefs came out red hot at the beginning. I think Tyreek Hill had like 200 receiving yards in the first half, you know, but then the Bucks came back and it was really a closer game than it should have been. So I imagine this one, as both teams are kind of at their climax of the season, I think it it should make for a great game again you've got obviously two powerhouse offenses able to score points but then you have two defenses that are playing really strong really fast and really aggressive right now they're kind of on that same level to me so I think it's going to be it's going to be very interesting you know as I mentioned earlier it's the first time in history that a team is going to play a Super Bowl on their home field you know of course Tom Brady is the one to do that like somebody else couldn't have that that historic record as if he doesn't already have enough records you know but but like I said you know both defenses are playing really well obviously both offenses are playing lights out so it really you know it may be the most complete matchup of the season which is what you want to see in the Super Bowl you know obviously you want to ride the teams that are kind of the underdog the whole way and Kind of the Cinderella story, so to speak, but when you look at on paper with these two teams, and even what you've seen the last two weeks out of these teams, they seem to be the most complete on the most complete team in the AFC, most complete team in the NFC, and they're going to meet, and that's that's all you really want in the Super Bowl. So, so yeah, that's uh, so. Like I said, prediction. My prediction is going to come next week. Uh, I think that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you have a great rest of your week. Stay 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 safe out there, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.